Falconer from the Rookery End uh, at a, a windy, slightly damper Royston. Oh, it's all Watford at the moment. Uh, let's just uh, say, my name's John. Uh, with me is Mike. Good evening. Hello. Uh, and Jason. Hello. Uh, uh, we are, as ever, three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in Rookery End, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. Proper football, this. Uh, look at that pitch. Retro Watford pitch, that. A bit, uh, bit muddy and stuff. Retro Watford Park pitch. <laughs> oh, Watford pushes it. So let's, let's, let's theme set for everyone. Royston. Why are we at Royston, Mike? It's the Hearts Senior Cup. I'm not sure what round it is. Two. Round two. Uh, it's Tuesday night, 7.45 kickoff. Uh, Royston are, I believe, in the fourth two. tier of the, um, of the non-league pyramid. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, look at me, I know that they are Southern League somewhere, so uh, yes, that could be uh, third or fourth tier yeah. of, of football. So yes. a few below us. Um, now, this, this is the Hearts Senior Cup. We, we went, uh, did a Hearts Senior Cup game a few years ago um, where we saw the, the likes of Tommy Hoban and uh, Sean Murray, his very young boys, shining, thinking they, they're the next hot thing, and they're, they're playing tonight. Because this is, I thought it was going to be an under-18 team, but Mike, it's quite a strong Watford team. Stronger than expected Watford team. Yeah, I think what they've done is they, they've put enough um, seniority and enough experience out there to hopefully win the tie, which is, which is quite which is pleasing to see, actually, because I think when you put a very, very young side out against a team, which is obviously a lot lower in the league pyramid, but is full of sort of men, basically, yes. who are used to sort of, uh, I'm not going to say clogging their way around the, the lower leagues, but they know their way around the game of football, and it, and it can be difficult to win these games. So they've, they've, they've selected a relatively strong side, although... Talking about clogging their way around the league, Diego Fabrini is, in, is indeed playing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in this. Uh, what is a very sticky pitch against what will be very tough opponents. Yeah, yeah. I, as, as I, I, I was. I think, as I said off off the record earlier, we, this is Diego Fabrini who has played for Italy. He's now playing in the Hearts County Cup. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, I wonder what he makes of it all. Okay, we, we sound quite upbeat. Um, but actually it's not been the best month as a Watford fan um, since our last podcast Watford have lost every single game we'll have to that's the Watford we know <laughs> oh that's retro we, that's we, retro we the reason we sound very upbeat John, is we might actually see us win for a change tonight but maybe well now you said that Jason I think you've completely jinxed us <laughs> so Mike you were actually going to see some of the under 18s uh, and just off, what is it under 20 under 18s and 21s plus a few oldie players last week yep. uh, in the FA under 21 the Premier League under 21 cup yeah because you did some, some commentary Mike yeah Flash with John yeah. Marks on yeah, Pornic's player um, any players you stood out for you that you're sort of looking forward to seeing again today well I will mention um, he's not playing tonight he's, he's gone off on loan but um, Ikpezu Ikpezu was uh, he's put in a decent shift mm. good good first half I would say that I don't think he's ready for the first team yet mm. and that's, that's why he's gone out on, on loan to crew I know people will ask questions saying well he scored for crew could he do it for Watford I just don't think he would on what, from, what we, from what we saw on that, on that Tuesday night he looks big and he looks powerful and he looks, he looks hungry but I think he would struggle against championship defences as it stands another one who's gone out on loan who played well in that game was, was Alex Kubiak he came back from early from his loan at Oxford I don't think it worked out very well from him there but I think he might have learned a few lessons he looked very good um, again um, and scored a couple of goals um, he's gone out on loan in Dagenham, to Dagenham and scored so that's, that's good those, those two both look good but we still knew about those days the new ones that you saw that you think yeah. Michael Falivi again caught the eye. We saw him play in the uh, in the, the round before last um, in the game against Peterborough, uh, and he looked absolutely. You know, it's very very rare. You you watch a game and you see a player you've never heard of before go, and you have a sharp intake of breath. You're like, <gasps> wow, he's he's really good. And then he came on to substitute um, against. Um, 
against Gillingham and, and really changed the game. He looked, he looked great again. He's on the bench here tonight, so it'll be interesting to see if he does come on, how he copes against um, what will be a sort of a, a much different proposition in, in, in the form of Royston and, and, and tough sort of semi-pro players and, and of course the pitch. He's, he's quite slight but he's very, very skillful. He's got a decent shot on it as, as those of you who tuned into the highlights would have seen. He scored from what must have been 25 yards in, in that game on last, last week. So it'd be fascinating to see if he, he comes on and, and if he does how he performs. But, but yeah, I think he's one that's there's a bit of buzz starting to be generated about him but from what I've seen, rightly so. We're also going to be chatting to this evening to Chris McGuan, the head of the academy, um, seeing how things are going with the with the boys. Uh, but at Royston, and originally I, I thought of a Royston Vasey. Yeah, well, I don't know. Do you know where Royston Vasey is? Well, yes. Well, it's fictitious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What, what television programme? Ah, the League of, uh, League of Gentlemen. Good, good. Jason knew that one as well. I wasn't sure. Really. Does anyone know why that town is called Royston Vasey? Is it something backwards? Nope. Go on. It's named after Roy Chubby Brown. Uh, that's right. Royston yeah. is Roy Chubby Brown yeah. where the Roy can work. And Vasey is his name. That's, this is actually, I mean, he was the mayor of the town. I don't think coming through here this place was more like um, a lovely Burke Hamps did. So no, I don't this think is, but this is a local game for local, local people. people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll be seeing how these young, mixture of young boys and, uh, and the first team um, players uh, can do against uh, it's Royston. Oh, and there's your answer. Oh, oh is that off the bar? You're always disappointed, Jason. Like normally, when we do these links during live games, what for school hasn't happened yet? No, no, no. Perhaps if I sort of just stand here and talk for long enough, give them a chance to get the other end and do some. No, no chance of that. I'll watch play jingle. Moment. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Half time in the Hartfordshire Cup. Uh, we've we've come inside to the warmth for a pint. Um, Watford are winning, Mike. That's different. Yeah, and they've done. Uh, yeah, it's different. We're really enjoying it, actually, aren't we? We've all got smiles on our faces. But um, I think the thing I enjoyed about that was seeing them come from a goal down yes. on a tricky playing surface, battle back to, to, to go 2-1 ahead. Showed some, some courage, some conviction, dare I say, a bit of confidence and swagger. And uh, who scored those goals, Jason? Hey, I, I, he must be the first Italian international to score... <laughs> uh, in the Hearts County Cup it was Diego Fabrini uh, I, I must admit I, I, after the first one I did turn to Mike and say I'm not sure to keep me too happy with that he didn't do anything too clever it was it fairly straight it was low Keep probably should have known where it was going to go and thought he might have got a second one great finish yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's back the magic is yeah, back this could be the catalyst for his Watford career I've always said about Fabrini if he's confident and playing in the confident team I think he could do damage but A he's not confident and B Watford aren't confident either so it's not really it's a marriage made in hell at the moment <laughs> well let's talk about that hell uh, since we last podcast we haven't won a game and I think that's only once in our podcasting history where that's actually happened so you can't um, blame us no 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 of course not uh, I'm blaming you for what you said right at the end of the last podcast, Mike, because it's going to be great, and it's not. So I think you said, I think to, to phrase him, was it top of the shop? Yes. Wasn't it? Top of the rubbish shop. <laughs> you can't get top of the rubbish shop than LLLL. Four losses since yeah. we last spoke. Terrific so effort, that. Let's try and figure this one out. Can you pin it down, Jason? What's wrong? No, I don't think you can. It was. Uh, well. And I think this is, the, 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 this is how I see it, okay? Um, Slav, yeah, clearly a tactical genius, right? Or whether that's his own thinking or he generally is one. 
Um, he's tried lots of different things, lots of different systems, different players to fit those systems. And I'm just wondering if it's just taking them a bit of time to get used to it. I, there's things I could pinpoint in certain games yeah. that, that stood out. But, yeah, it just seems... He's, I, there's no doubting, I think, that he and the backroom staff, they definitely seem to be really good at analysing the opposition, picking out where they think their weaknesses and strengths are, um, and setting up to try and beat those teams. I just wonder if they're overthinking it and, yeah. and it's too hard for the players. But sort of we should be going out there and playing our game, Mike. Yeah, I totally agree with Jason. I think there's been plenty of evidence that, that they are scouting and they are, you know, they're looking at the minutiae, they're looking at the detail of the opposition. Um, but I think you're absolutely right, John. I think they need to be they need to be going out and playing like the like the good team we know we can be. I mean, go back to that Nottingham Forest game, which was right at the start of Jukanovic's reign, and we played an hour of the most glorious football ever possibly ever seen at Vickery <laughs> Road it was yeah. that good it was absolutely scintillating but it's all been downhill hill from there no, and I, yeah, think I don't know I don't think about it. in each of the games that we've seen recently let's, let's sort of focus on the, the really recent games there was the Derby game and there was the Cardiff game there were spells in that game where we were being Watford yeah I think, I think it, it, it's definitely right to focus on those games but we, I think it's worth mentioning the other ones we played Birmingham when they just got a new manager yeah. um, which often results in an uplift and they, I, don't, I think they're unbeaten since then he is a tactical genius aren't he, in my opinion going around yeah. <coughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's your opinion, Jason. You're entitled <laughs> to it. John, delete that. <laughs> um, so, Birmingham, we played them at possibly the worst time. New manager, lots been said about changes, so on and so forth. Ipswich are obviously a decent side, playing at home. By all accounts, neither team that, played well. Yeah, that game could have gone either way, really. Yeah. But both, both those games, goals let in after the 80th minute. Yeah, and an age-old problem for, for Watford under under the Potsos. So those, you know, in isolation, those games aren't complete disasters. But going back to your point about Watford going out and playing how Watford should, the Derby game was was disappointing, not because of the defeat, but the manner of the, the performance and the, and the manner of the defeat. And I think I was a little bit disappointed with Derby. I didn't think they looked incredible, but what I did think they looked was a side really comfortable in their own skin. They looked confident. Each of them knew what their job was. They all looked four inches taller than they actually were because they were a team in form, knowing what they were going to do to, to win that game. And you just don't get that sense from Watford. And I think that, that goes back to Jason's point. He's trying a lot of different things to negate the opposition and to try and set up to, to make sure that the opposition don't play when actually, you're probably, I think you're absolutely right, John. We should be going out and playing to our strengths. Let them worry about us. And I think... That will, that will engender in, in this team the confidence that is so evidently lacking. Let them worry about us. I think we've had an in, we haven't had a consistent 11, and if I were to do something about this problem, it would be having a consistent starting 11. Um, we, had, we picked a team on, on, on Saturday that I think most Watford fans would have said, yep, yeah, brilliant, that's the team that I would like to see. Um, Jason, agree, disagree? Yeah, agree. Uh, I think I put something about Twitter on it. That probably was very close to, if not our, our strongest start in the 11. Padil's probably got the biggest case for getting into that amongst all those that didn't. Um, and we talk about all these different formations and things and different things we tried. We almost reverted to type on Saturday, didn't we? Back to the old three at the back, you know, three, five, two. Um, Which you're not a fan of three at the back? I'm not a big fan of three at the back. I think I prefer uh, a flat back four. Um, it, it wasn't really tested on on Saturday, was it? But no. 
I, and probably the goal was a stupid one. Gomez didn't cover himself in glory, I don't think, coming out and punching Cameron Jones instead of the ball. But, um, but a mistake as well. A mistake in midfield. Yeah, they sauntered back, they yeah. didn't get themselves yeah. back and set up quick enough. Sorry to interject. No, no, that's fine. So, you're always frustrating when it happens. Just the ball given away cheaply, but if you do give the ball away cheaply, move heaven and hell to get back into position. And, and snuff it out and they just didn't do that and that, like you say Jason culminated in that game as a mistake sorry carry on no it's fine but it, I think that, again it was yeah there was no one following in at the back post again flat back four perhaps we'd have covered that I don't know perhaps we're just picking, picking holes there they weren't really tested they weren't one up and then they sat back yeah, yeah lots of men behind that ball which we, 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 you know, where we play football Cardiff wasn't cutting ball. through well. yeah kind of which, which is disappointing the, 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 on last podcast Jason said something uh, like uh, he quoted Steve Parridge to make sense which we didn't like I'm going to quote Mark Lawrence yeah heard him on the radio um, and he said trouble with footballers the football teams these days especially someone like Man City they've got footballers who are playing in defence rather than defenders and the only team that has got defenders is Chelsea that was his point have we got too many footballers that are pretending to be defenders we don't have any proper defenders no I don't think so I think if you look remember back uh, to our interview with Marco Cassetti and I asked him you know What's the you know what's the greatest thing about do you wish you could score or something like I can't remember what mm. it's something about what gives you the greatest pleasure in in football and it wasn't a goal line clearance it wasn't cleaning up a, a striker when he's one on one it's starting a move that leads to a goal all footballers are footballers um, and Watford are, are certainly wanting to play in a certain way and are, we've got we've got the quality to play to play with decent defenders I think there needs to be a settled back line whether it's a back three or back four they need to be confident in each other they need to be confident in their goalkeeper and they need to be confident where the ball's going when they when they do play it out there's no reason that we have to have um, absolute lumps of centre backs the game's moved on and, and luckily so have Watford um, you just need that consistency and that will that will come with consistency of lineup. Is it, the, is it the one thing you pinpoint that's what you would train you differently? I would I want I want them to be confident. That is what that is what is tragically lacking from this Watford side and we I, haven't had since Sola. I think I sort of agree with that and I think the only way that we become a confident inside is to score first. Mm. We're not scoring first in games to get that sort of positivity and momentum going in it. Uh, Jace, what would you change? Well, I, we've talked about the general changes. I, I think we were pretty close to it Saturday in terms of a, a decent side. We, we said we had a strong 11. We got the, the formation. We know the players are good at playing. The problem for me Saturday was up front. And we've got these fantastic strikers, so everyone keeps telling us. Um, but I thought they were doing the wrong jobs. Yeah. Fidra kept having to come short for the ball to get it when he should be on the shoulder of the last defender. Dini just I think Dini was seemed to be playing the most advanced of the two and just didn't seem to be in the game at all. Yeah. Um, my, my thing is, you say maybe it was positioning, but I had a, a feeling on a Saturday where you're going, I think we're still missing Abdi and we're still missing Dini because they're not back there in their, their full effect. Yeah, I think that was the quietest I've seen Troy Deeney in a, in a Watford shirt for a long, long time on on Saturday. It was a, it was a difficult afternoon for him, and as Jay said, Vidra was just popping up in the wrong in the wrong positions. What I will say about about Matteo Vidra is that he's continuing to put in an incredible amount of work, which is which is hugely heartening. Um, but I just think 
those two games, Derby was disappointing because we didn't ask enough questions of, of, of not an average side, that, that's doing them a disservice, but a team that we could have comfortably beaten, I think. And then Cardiff, when we had all that pressure, 22 shots on goal, probably not enough on target, I think about eight. Correct, yeah, exactly. five. Right, yeah. but, but Cardiff were, were atrocious. But their goalkeeper kept the minute, and I think Derby's goalkeeper kept the minute as well. We've come against two very good goalkeepers. So I think, if you look at the stats, since the last podcast, we've lost four in a row. You can kind of explain away all of them. You can always explain away bad results. There's been a lot of, lot of sort of questions about Jukanovic, is he the right man, so on and so forth mitigating circumstances he hasn't had a pre-season he's been sort of parachuted into what was a pretty chaotic um, setup and, and situation as Jay said he's, he's sort of floundering the one word I think but he's, he's scratching around trying to find the, the best formation what's going to work in this league and it's going to take it's obviously going to take him a little bit of time but we need to, we need to start getting results and I think someone someone made a good point on, on Twitter these, the players have to take responsibility as well we keep telling ourselves how good these players are you know month in month out we have these chats at the ground we're all saying we've got the personnel you look at the you look at the look the team what a great side we're going we're to do it today and then invariably they're, they're not stepping up to a plate now I don't think they're overhyped I don't believe that because we've seen it from all of them that they are that they are decent players. What they need to do is, is, is collectively, and they need to get their heads out yeah. their backsides as a team and do whatever it takes to start winning football games. Yeah, and you've got to look back to Sanino and what happened there and his departure. And people talk about it being player power. Okay, so if the players have got what they want and in Sanino going, then yeah, they need to start turning it on on the pitch. Down to you, boys. Down to you. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the referee end. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items to define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! Watford in 100 objects. We are still searching for a few more objects to fill our list of 100 that will define Watford Football Club. They can be an object that defines your relationship with the football club or they can define a special moment that's happened on the pitch. This month we're looking back at uh, a little bit about crowd noise. The first one has actually happened just before our last podcast where Roy and the boys from 881 did the big poppy display. The object we're going to put in is the white foil that Roy Moore, the man behind it, put up and held up. It was a, it was a lovely moment, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, incredibly um, moving, incredibly poignant. And um, I don't think it's wrong to say proud of, of, of Watford for, for getting it together and proud of our fellow supporters. As you quite right, rightly mentioned, it's Roy's, um, Roy's foil that's going in because he was the driving force behind it. Um, incredible effort by those guys and just another reassuring moment about Watford Football Club and the supporters having their heart in the right place so great thing to be part of so we can put in new objects or put in old objects as well of course which most of them are next Jason is a fake crowd noise on a CD now I spoke to uh, to Turbo Don saw him earlier on tonight here at uh, at Royston uh, I spoke to him at the at our place event at Vicarage Road and he remembered a certain CD of fake noise against Newcastle United many years ago. 
When was the, the, the fake crowd noise? It was Newcastle at home, and the Petri and Perman, and it was so embarrassing I hid underneath the seat in the old East Stand. <laughs> when did it come on though? Was it all the time? No, only when we had a, a corner, or we looked like we were near to scoring a goal, and a couple of times when we had throw-ins, and it looked like the, he thought the crowd were a bit quiet, so he turned up the volume. Do you know where it came from, where the idea came from? I haven't got a clue, but I think he might have got the idea, I'm not excusing it in any way, shape or form, from Middlesbrough when they played at Ayrson Park, they used to have a bloke on the corner flag a few times when we played up there, who I think might have been the army or something, and he used to play the trumpet or the trombone every time they had a corner. And I was embarrassed as an away fan. Then. <laughs> a trombone's got a bit better than a, a fake crowd, though. Yeah, but it's still not right, is it? <laughs> I was I was at that game, that, and I remember I was only I was on the family terrace, and there's a there's a tannoy sort of right close to where we used to stand, and he sort of even back then as a as a youngster, I realised how well it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was bemused because people were looking around thinking because you're not used to hearing mm. stuff come through the tannoy during the game, apart from the occasional time when uh, chariots of fire would run just over after <laughs> the kickoff. I remember that. I used to quite enjoy that. That felt quite quite naughty from the club, but. Um, yeah, that was massively embarrassing. Um, I remember it clearly to this day. Um, but yeah, the 1881, I think, you know, obviously they're not everybody's cup of tea, but largely speaking, they've done wonders to lift the, lift the atmosphere. They're in the second season now. Um, it's really starting to take hold, and I think with that, with the Elton John stand um, mm. filling in the gap, I think the noise will, will increase. Um, they've got some great... They've had the banners, the fantastic banner that we saw in the... Um, before the, uh, who were we playing? We were playing Cardiff, when the Graham Taylor stand was, was renamed. That was great, I'm still standing banner. So for me, just it's just only positive. Roy, a front runner for a supporter of the season, maybe? We'll see. Uh, the fun object is a book. Uh, every year we've had Lionel on our podcast, I'm a Burning, he's put another book out. The latest one is out, the Tales of the Vicarage 3, the interviews. Um, I've, uh, I've started flicking through it, I always uh, uh, limit myself. Because you know you only get one Watford book a year. I don't want to read it too quickly. Sean Dyer's chapter, very interesting. Never knew that about Sean. Uh, and also, I uh, it was uh, the interview I didn't think I was excited about, but actually when I read it, it was brilliant. It was a Michael Hyde one? Because again, it's not someone you automatically think of, mega superstar. But actually, he was part. You forget exactly all, everything he was part of. I'd forgotten. Is there? Is there everything you wear, Michael? Yeah. Careful, careful, Michael. Mike. Oh, no, on the family podcast, please. It is. Uh, Mike, uh, Lionel has put out many, uh, many books. The book we're going to put in is one that we spoke to him about at the Tales from the Vicarage event last month. What for books we've written now? Six. Uh, I think this is number six. Yeah. So all available still. All you know. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't got one, then please yeah, do get one. <laughs> yeah. And in our hundred objects, we wanted to put a book into the list, and we discussed it, and we talked about it, and there are a lot of books out there that are, you know, they're, they're historical in terms of uh, statistical. And the book we want to put in though was the first book you spoke to us about, which is Enjoy the Game. Mm-hmm. As as a book compared to all the other Watford ones, how does that book stand out for you? Well, that's the one that I'm proudest of I think because it was a it was a hobby project that I felt incredibly passionate about the 80s was my era as a kid growing up it's when I fell in love with the club my dad took me and and I became a Watford fan pretty much instantly as I'm sure we all did and then collected everything and bought everything and just immersed myself as a child in that era so I went back and interviewed all the players and management from that era and put that book together in 2010 it tells the story of the 80s from their perspectives really Graham 
Taylor, all the players, Luther Blissett, John Barnes, you know, they've all got really great stuff to say. But I have to say, incredibly flattered as I am, if I was choosing which book to put in <laughs> yeah. as your 100 greatest objects, I'd actually nominate the book that kind of inspired Enjoy the Game, which is no longer available, but you can pick them up on eBay, for quite, uh, they go for quite a bit of money. A Tale of the Unexpected, which was about the season when Watford finished second in the first division. And that was done by a journalist who used to cover Watford for the national papers called Jeff Sweet, and it's just a really lovely portrait of that season. And I think that's what Adam and I have tried to bring into Tales from the Vicarage. We're trying to do that for these years, for this era, and tell the stories from the players' perspectives, but also from you know fans, journalists who you know have a bit of insight into into how the club's gone. And hopefully, in sort of 10, 15 years' time, people will think as fondly of our books as I think of um, Jeff Sweet's book. That book just really sums up that you know Graham Taylor era. The great stuff, Jason, honouring. Uh, Graham Taylor with that stand absolutely he obviously still is a Watford legend um, particularly for me that was my introduction to the Watford era growing up during that time from the uh, uh, yes the, the start of the 80s for me uh, so a lot of what was in that book all that was in that book was, was stuff I remember as a kid and it sort of it almost sort of joined the dots for me now reading back as an adult and sort of oh yes I remember that and just what it really meant it's too easy to think people of our generation that when we were that young and that Watford were always that good we didn't realise until we read the history books and then had to suffer <laughs> from the 90s onwards that it wasn't always going to be success after success um, so yeah to sort of remember that era uh, and to recall it as an adult from having grown up in that time it, it, it's, a, it's a really really good read um, you talked about a minute ago Mike um, uh, the Elton John stand opening um, so the, the two most important men in our club's history are going to have their have something named after them which I think is fantastic yeah I think it's I think it's sensible I think it really if you look at it in you look at it in the cold art of day that it's what it should be isn't it because as you say they're two of the most important men I will say um, I've sat in the what will be the Sir Elton John stand for the last two home games and it is a magnificent view over there really really good nice and spacious um and it, looking at it, you'd look, you might think that you're a little bit further away from the pitch because it is set a little bit back. But it's so it's steep, uh, and you get you get an absolutely magnificent vantage point. So uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to, to uh, sit there, do check it out because it's absolutely superb. But I was still thinking about it on the drive over here to Royston, and uh, that is great that we've got the, that. It gives the Vicarage Road some identity, mm. um, and all this you know claptrap about a club without an identity. You know, it's Watford. It will always have an identity to us. But naming those, giving it, giving it that tangible, just having the sign the Graham Taylor stand you know sitting proud above the halfway line you know it makes you feel proud as a Watford fan I think it's the, the correct thing to do by the club um, but everyone involved in that decision making process deserves deserves praise for making it happen we need, we need to get those men on the podcast don't we yeah Graham Elton do you reckon Elton listens <laughs> I don't know well, I re- he's a pretty keen supporter. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he checks the website. I'm pretty sure he checks the Watford Observer. What's the other great source of, of Watford uh, <laughs> news, views and anecdotes? <laughs> yes, it's Matt and Ian's. <laughs> Be happy. Once you've extinguished all those, that's from the rookery end. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe he's he's well. an audio man, isn't he? He's built his career on audio. We're the most appropriate medium for Elton. <laughs> I think he listens. Give a message in, Mike. Elton, if you're listening... We're looking forward to seeing you at Wigan. We don't expect to get to speak to you, but... Oh, coming up? No. Oh. Well, let's just let him be. Let him enjoy the game. We, you don't like being talked to, spoken to during the football, <laughs> Jay, so I know... Yeah, that's true. Elton, if you're listening, 
let us know. Just you know, it doesn't have to be anything overblown. Just a quick email, podcast at from the um, a tweet, direct message, I'll follow you especially so you can <laughs> direct Let us know if you're listening. It'd be great. Um, so remember if you have a, a, an object that maybe sums up Elton and Graham, uh, give us an email, podcast at from the com so we can complete our list of Watford in a hundred objects. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Third goal for Watford, scored by number 12, Michael Felipe. We're here at Royston. On that page is Sean Murray, uh, uh, Hoban, and a bunch of other young players who have come through the ranks. The youth was always a big worry when the Potters took over, but those boys have played first-team football. Aren't so much at the moment, are they, Jason? No. We know that with the Potters model, I think in its early days, and the ability of the club to attract better players, let's, let's be honest, we, the only reason we played youth players quite a lot in recent years has been because we haven't had the funds and the ability to attract other players. Now we have. Um, so they, they are naturally going to get less of an opportunity. might be different in the future as the Pozzo model grows within Watford and we're able to attract better youth players, then maybe we'll see a, the, the first 11 again start to be uh, or have more of a, of a homegrown product within them. It's lovely still seeing those you know, when we see Watford, play, Watford youth players playing in the first team. It's it's warming. Yeah, I mean, as a as a every generation has players that they hear hear of in and around the, the youth team, and then they come through to um, match day squads, and then you see him play. Tommy Hoban, Adam Thompson was on. I saw a, mm. I saw a tweet crash up from him. And, you know, we saw him when he was basically a lad, and then he came through Lee Hodson as well. So it's always great to sort of grow with those those players and. It does give you a sense of pride when you see him pull on a, on a first-team shirt. I mean, I think it's not just because of the Pozzo model. I think it's an issue that's endemic within within football as a whole, that the, the pressure to perform is such that throwing in youngsters is, is, is seen as too big a risk these days. And while, while clubs recognise the importance of developing and nurturing players, it's more with one eye to the future and, and resale value and, and, and it's more a sort of economic decision as opposed to a footballing one almost which is which is sad but you know if you're if you've got a chance to get into Europe if you've got a chance if you need to win your last game to stay up or in a playoff final sadly you're going to put, want to put throw a young a young player in an untested player in or or a, or an experienced player that you've got somewhere else Not so, Jason's absolutely right it, it, Watford are doing it with best intentions we've got access to better players I think the point is it's going to be harder for, for players to come through take your Lloyd, your Lloyd Doyle for example played his 400th start for, Wat, for Watford this season you know, how often is that going to happen that someone comes through the ranks and then goes on to play four on the game? It's, it's going to be rare. But but that's for any club, really. These yeah, 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 yeah. But well, no, we're going to speak to Christian McGuan, who's head of the academy, um, see what he has to say and how the, the young whippersnappers are getting on this year and, and who we may be seeing making and, and breaking into the first team over the, the next few years. And actually, how are those boys going to be developed from being a scholar into a senior player? How do you do it these days? We finished here at Royston, 3-1 to Watford, how was that for you? Yeah, we're really pleased, um, you know, as it got there in the end, we made our work of it second half, but I thought, for first half and the lads really acquitted themselves, you know, really well and obviously it's a difficult place to, to come, it's, you know, it's these, the early rounds of the Hearts Senior Cup are always 
a real challenge for the lads, but of you know a real benefit as well. So now we're delighted to get through. So this is this is a cup game, so it's quite easy to measure how well we do in these games. We either progress or we don't. We've seen your interview on, on Hornets Bay, excellent interview there. And then, and that you mentioned, it's been a good start to the to the campaign. Obviously, you look after the the whole of the academy, don't you? How do you judge the sort of success of a of a, of a season for the youngsters? Uh, well, the most important, it depends in terms of the actual age group or the academy as a, as a whole. Obviously, you know we're looking to try and produce as many players as we possibly can that step up each year and go into the into the first team. So, um, but each individual department, each individual team has their own targets, goals that we're working towards. Um, but I've been delighted with you know the right from the start for the season for you know for the under 18s and the young boys that we've progressed in the 21 so far and for the younger players as well it's all come into to fruition so to speak it, feel, it feels to, to a sort of a bit of a layman like us we don't see as much youth football as you obviously it feels like there's less structure to the to the fixtures there isn't so much there's obviously the cups uh, but there isn't a league system so to speak of is there does that does that make it more difficult well obviously the, the under 18s playing 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 the league um, you know from further down there's under 16s downs don't we just play you know regular regular fixtures but you know for me it's even even at the under 18s level yes we're trying to win yes we want to instill that winning belief in the, in the players but it's development and trying to get boys into our first team so I'd be quite happy in terms of if we weren't winning football matches but we were having players developing and progressing into our first team rather than winning leagues and um, you know winning competitions it's for me it's all about developing players and that we can't lose sight of that but because that's the thing that, that, that we're, we're going to bring up the the four letters, the E P P P. We talked to you about it. We, you know, I think it feels like we've been, you know, talking about it for a few years. This, this under twenty one Premier League Cup that's happened. Um, there's the Youth FA Cup as well. From a Watford perspective, I mean, as far as I'm aware, that the, the number of teams that went into this Premier League Cup hasn't been as many. So therefore, what's the point of it? In this sort of developing young players and whatever's come at the FA, how for Watford is? that development for say someone who is 17 and then coming through is it is there still a good structure there for them to come through yeah I mean I've what, would they have, what, would they, what would they have to what would they do to, to get what would someone have to do to get through yeah I mean firstly for me like the, the Premier League Cup and, and games like tonight's in the Hart Senior Cup it gives us an opportunity to, to mix our, our scholars and our young pros together now knowing from experience for myself when I was a young lad coming through the coming through the system actually being able to play with pros is invaluable you know in this competition in the Hart Senior Cup it brings us to grounds that you know we're not used to playing in on a different surface a different type of football and, and the Premier League Cup and the FA Youth Cup allows us to play in you know stadiums you know and it's it's great it's a great experience for the boys to be involved in that and for me as academy manager head of the academy the more experiences that we can give the players the better it is and so you know these these nights are vital for us you know in terms of their development the third goal tonight was scored by uh, Michael Felivi I believe he's 16 is that correct he is yeah he, he looks like a decent prospect now Wayne Rooney made his debut for Brereton when he was 16 Obviously, he's a uh, he's Wayne Rooney. He's sort of one in. But no, but he wasn't Wayne Rooney when he played his debut. Was just <laughs> Wayne no one knew he was. He had the same sort of feel about same sort of feel about him and Michael Owen. Lots of goals and reserves, and and he played when he was 16. Will anyone that age ever make their first team debut for Watford at age 16? If you're if you're if you're good enough, the club's always shown in the past that it's going to give young players an opportunity. So you know, Michael Michael's one of uh, a lot of those boys that have done you know brilliantly this season. Michael obviously 
gets a little bit of the headlines because he's the one that gets the goal, so to speak. Um, but yeah, no, you know, we've got a structure in place and a head coach and a management scheme that will give young players the opportunity when they're ready. And it's about making sure it's when they're when they're ready to make that step up. Talked about uh, what we've done in the past with, with youth players, and you talked into your, in your interview uh, about instilling the Watford way into the youngsters. What, what does that actually mean to you, the Watford way? <laughs> well, how long have you got? <laughs> I mean, I'll give you an idea. Our philosophy document is about 300 pages um, from Academy stroke, stroke Club. But, you know, there's some key values and key ethics that we try and instill in the young, our young players. And you've only got to look at, you know, the likes of Sean, Tommy, Connor there today, Bernard, Alex Shakubiak. When, you know, in these sorts of games, the way they conduct themselves, and in a way they, they work with the young players. And that's a big part, part of what we try and do. But, you know, we want to create footballers. We want to create exciting, attractive footballers that are going to go and excite the supporters, whether it's on nights like this or out at Vicarage Road playing in our first team. Yeah, our actual philosophy and our Watford way, you know, you're more than welcome to have a read through it. If you're bored one night and you want to have a read through the document, you're more than welcome. I think we saw today a couple of the first team coaches in the stands there. So... What's the link between you and those guys? If, if let's just use Michael as an example, you think he's ready for the first team, would you, is the door open for you to go and say, chaps, yeah. I think Michael's come on? Absolutely. I mean, me, myself, you know, with, with Scott, you know, chief exec, you know, the head coach, Lav, and, you know, Luke Dowling, etc., and the first team staff, you know, there is a very close link. It's one of the things that has always been here at Watford. You know, the, the academy and the first team aren't poles apart. You know, we're sharing the same building. We're talking on a on a daily basis. They're coming to me asking about players. I'm, I'm talking to them about players that we've got, how they're progressing. That that link is, is there. And it's crucial for me for, you know, it has to be there for player development and player pathways to, for players to break through. Um, but it's most, definitely, it's always... That's one of the things that's ingrained in the culture here, here at Watford. You know, regardless of whether I'm, you know, head of the academy in charge or somebody else or, you know, a different head coach, those links and uh, communication lines are always there. It was, our, it was our understanding that perhaps at the right, at the very outset of the takeover, I know you weren't here there, but when the Pozzos arrived, dismissed is probably not the wrong word, but I don't think they perhaps realised the, the importance and the value of the academy. Fair to say from what you're saying there, that that's changed. Pretty much yeah, I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've been here now five five years, and I, I don't think even when you know the, owner, the new ownership came in, that there was any of that change, and there any was the academy was less thought of, or, or wasn't valued or appreciated. They, you know, they massively fought very highly. They appreciated and, and recognised, you know, the success we'd had in in previous years and and down the years. You know, we're up to 58 graduates now. You know, in the first team, there was four four last year. So, you know, it's it's always been there, and I, there's no reason to suggest. Why it's not going to continue to go from success to success? You mentioned you mentioned Slav there. That's, he's obviously the, the fourth manager. Do they sort of land and they're, they're straight into it with you? They they understand it straight away, or does, does their approach as the managers that you've dealt with does, does their approach change? Do you have to do you have to sort of think or do you have to work those guys out a little bit in, in your role just to work out how you're going to maximise the opportunities for your boys? I mean, we've been very lucky. I've been very lucky, even though we have had you know four head coaches, you know. Season, they've all, you know, very much taken an interest in the young players and, and developing the boys. And you know, whether that's watching, uh, you know, coming out and watching games. I mean, the, 
the first team staff all came to Bristol City in the under 20, 21s game, you know, and that's a two and a half, three hour journey that they wouldn't have to make if they didn't believe in, you know, the work that we're that we're doing. So that speaks, you know, actions speak louder than words for me. Um, but no, it's uh, the transitions have all been very, very, very smooth with the with the head coaches. So um, from my point of view, it makes life very easy when you've got a head coach and a manager that you know wants to instill and wants to you know develop the youth and develop the academy. What's, what's the rest of the season like for the for the youth uh, under 18? What's what's next for them? Uh, well, it gets very busy for us now. I have to be honest. With you know FA Youth Cup starting in a couple of weeks. Um, obviously our league fixtures, the football league cup. We've obviously progressed tonight as well, and obviously you've got the under 21. So it does, you know, over the next couple of months it does get very very busy. But you know that's what you know that's what we enjoy. It's the games that get us up and get us out of bed every single morning. You know, so a lot of hard work for for them. You know, we've got the second years who are working hard to try and secure professional contracts at the at the end of the year, and we've got the first years who have now settled into their two-year scholarship. So, you know, for, for those boys, there's still a lot of hard work to, to go. But I think you've seen tonight the talent that we've got within the within the academy. And the exciting thing for me is when you look deeper and you go down all of the age groups, there's talent coming through, and it's something that you know supporters in the club can be very excited about moving forward. We, we heard in your interview you mentioned that, that Harefield's still going strong. I think you mentioned there's a new new principal coming there, but he but he's still on board, which is great. Which is it's something that we've been we, we've been doing the podcast. I think this is our uh, fifth year, and it's it's been a common theme how proud we've been of it and how important it's been for us as sort of regular supporters, really. Is there anything that you see other clubs doing that you're you're trying to instill here? Is there stuff that we're not doing that we could we could do better, or is there an example elsewhere that you're looking to, to regret? No, I mean obviously when we I think last time we spoke we were just going through the triple pre you know process and the, and the audit etc. And you know that process hasn't quite finished yet. I was I was down at the Premier League offices only this morning, you know for for follow up meetings and they've been very impressed by everything that we we deliver and that's an, an independent person from outside or an independent group from outside actually complementing everything that we do obviously for me we always want to improve we always want to get better and if you can share ideas from another football club then absolutely you, you know you, you can do that um, we spend a lot of time as staff travelling abroad looking at other clubs looking at the way other countries other nations develop their, their youth players all of our boys go away on tour so we've got communications lines with a lot of clubs and I think we, we don't give ourselves enough credit especially at this club but also within this country of the players that we actually have within the, the, the youth system we get a lot of bad press that academies aren't producing players or aren't producing enough players but I mean last year we played Juventus, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Lazio, Fiorentina, Bayern Munich, you name them, you know our players are just as good as their players. From the rookery end Thanks a lot to Chris. Uh, we're going to hang around a little bit and try and grab uh, Tommy Hoban, who is captain of uh, tonight's side, uh, to see how he's feeling and a catch-up, because it's been a, a while since we spoke to him. Just finished the game at Royston. Yeah. It's a bit different, I suppose. Uh, how was it? Unbelievably different this year. Saying I don't think I've played in a pitch or like that since school football. Like you look down at your boots after and you can't even see them. Like all you see is just mud basically. But but you know it's just, um, it's a good experience for all of us. Like sort of so many guys are playing sort of this level of football every week and it is uh, it's tough. Like sort of coming here and like you know you can't play your normal football. Like it's just it's impossible on the pitch. So two goals from Diego out there. 
you had a chance to speak to him about what he thought about it out there tonight? Well, tried a little bit, but obviously there's still a bit of a language barrier there. So he's, he's you know, his English is getting better to be fair. But um, but yeah, no, I think he, I doubt he's ever played in a pitch like that. <laughs> it's a new thing for him, but he's obviously got the two goals, so maybe yeah, he found it alright. You were sort of like a, almost a senior player out there in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we saw you play uh, a bit of sort with about two, three seasons ago. Yeah. Imagine yourself that boy, yeah, that boy back then. Yeah. Now you're the man that you are now. How how far do you reckon you've come in that time? Obviously, you know, a lot's changed for me since then. I was fortunate to get a sort of decent running team, so I'm looking to do it again. But um, but yeah, I suppose physically I've sort of got a lot a lot stronger and stuff since then. Like I remember, so when I went, I went on loan to Wilson, not long after that, and so that really probably helped to get me sort of used to that side of the game. So it's it's still kind of the same thing. Though. I mean, like although maybe three years ago it's been like, a really big game for me, sort of playing sort of with in the Heart Senior Cup now it's, it's still like you know it's still a, every game's a big game you know, every game's it's the only sort of chance you can go out there and affect the chance you get to go and show people that you know you're good enough to go and play in the first team it's still like a you know, good opportunity for us all but um, sort of especially physically I've probably developed a lot since then So in terms of, in terms of this game then do you as a, as a team do you approach it as meticulously tactically as you would do a first team game? Yeah this morning we had a, a session outside going through all set pieces stuff like that like it's definitely taken very seriously I'd say for a lot of us at the moment we're first team football is you know we're not getting it regularly these are the games where we need to play and so that hopefully you know if we do get a chance to go in first team like we're ready so they are you know very important to us so every game is a good night for us John, John mentioned that you're, you're kind of one of the senior players in the, in the team tonight and I saw you play in the, in the under 21 cup game the other week is it a good experience for you do you feel senior like a senior player do you feel like uh, I think you skipped that you were skipped captain weren't yeah, you how, yeah. how does that feel it's a really sort of proud moment to skip us of any any team any kind of level so one day my sort of dream would be to you know captain the first team so I suppose getting sort of a taster of it in games like this is, is important been lucky enough to be captain a few times at that international level as well for Ireland so it's hopefully a trait that certain people can that managers start to see in me and maybe one day I can do it at a team level you know we're in December now yeah. what's, what's the next couple of weeks and stuff for you I'd say you know cracking on the same old thing really you know going into training sort of week and week week out just trying to impress the, the managers and um, and hoping that I get a, a chance to go sort of back into the team and format on sort of first team stage because you know, I know that I can do that and just, just got to keep training hard to try and get the opportunity to see that really I'm, I'm going to let sorry Jason I'm going to level with yeah. you <laughs> these guys have been asking how can Watford improve this year and I've been banging on banging on get the defence sorted <laughs> I said I think if we get to the events sorted we'll, we'll be fine yeah. is that something that, that, that resonates within the squad do you feel like defensively that's where if there is an issue that's where it lies at the moment I, I don't know it's like we've got a lot of a lot of very good defenders to be honest in the team like, I think there's you know five six of us sort of centre backs that are all you know able to play in the championship and have a lot of experience a lot of people always say oh the defence like the, the defenders but a lot of it comes from the whole the whole team maybe we need to work on sort of as maybe keeping the ball a bit more and like getting a bit of pressure off the defence or I suppose you know the game we can be a lot of possession but in other games maybe that's something we could have done it's a big like defending isn't just defending it's the whole team so it's definitely something we are working on in training though so hopefully we'll get that stories ma- that makes me happy Tommy yeah. <laughs> just talking about your fellow defenders Paredes he's got a nickname he's called the Ant Right. right, okay, yeah. Have any of your other defensive colleagues got uh, nicknames that we should know about? Um, nothing like that, I think. <laughs> Maybe just the old, you know, shorten of their surnames or whatever, but... Um 
trying to a little bit of a thinker. So Gabby, is he handsome or? <laughs> <laughs> well, Troy sometimes calls me and Gabby bomb scares, but I think that's because he's a bit scared of us in training. Like he's going to pick up a little knock or something. But um, <laughs> but Troy's got a name for everyone to be honest. So, but uh, but other than that, I think yeah, that's about it really. You talked about training, impressing the manager. Has he impressed you on the training picture? Has he shown any of his skills in training? It's obviously it's been a, a big change for us this year, like having like almost five managers, like including including Ruben when he was in charge for a couple of games. Like it's it's been sort of really tough for us all, but I think finally you know we're starting to understand the way that the manager wants us to play. And you know at the weekend we were unlucky. We probably should have won that game, deserved to. But um, his sort of way, that the way he wants us to play, we're starting to understand now, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We'll get the results to, to show that too. What have you asked for for Christmas? Um, PlayStation, actually. PS4. I think my whole family is chipping in. So <laughs> a lot of the boys are giving me a stick about it. I mean, I should have got it myself. But if I'm going to get something, I might as well get something I want. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. We leave sunny, rainy. Slash cold Washington. It's not sunny in any in any respect, apart <laughs> from the <laughs> fact we're seeing a Watford win. <laughs> Woohoo! First Watford win in a long, long time that we've seen anyway. I know you still won last week, Mike. Yes, it's not the under-21s win. But we've got, we've got. That was great to see that out of the the um, us progressing the Hearts Senior Cup. It's, I think we've traditionally haven't done massively well in it in 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 past seasons. Won it 18 times. Last one in the 2003-2004 season. So I did my research. Well done, well done. <laughs> but we're due a win, and it was good to see us sort of taking it seriously. An interesting mix of of, of youth, uh, seniority, and experience. But now, really, we've got to focus on the on the first team. We've got to we've got to address this this slump and. I think I've seen a lot of people asking questions whether Slav is the right right manager. I'm calling him Slav. That sounds a bit familiar. He'd probably kill me if he, if he had to <laughs> Well, he just look at you really sternly and make you feel like you're dead. And I think I sort of kind of alluded to it earlier. I think it's too early to be to be oh, questioning to be questioning him. He's, well, chatting to Tommy. Yeah. yeah, even Tommy there said we are learning about him and what he wants and the new system. Yeah. Um, you can you don't see the same team every week. So learning that system and adapting that system from the little you've learnt from the first couple of weeks, that's growing more and more and more. And they grow, A, from hearing from me on the pitch, uh, on the training ground, but also what happens on the pitch. And, it, it and is, I think it's fundamentally ridiculous to say, for Louis on the trot, it's the manager. I mean, obviously, the, 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 big, the big, not the nail in his coffin, that's absolutely the wrong phrase, but the Derby game was a mistake, mm. I think, in as much as not starting Minari, not starting Vidru, and we, we've talked about his tactical approach, and he hasn't really backed up why he, why he, why he rested those guys in, in that game, but it was pretty apparent to a lot of people that we needed to get back to winning ways, and, and those guys were, were key in, in, in helping us achieve that, but... It, he's so early in, in his reign, and he's had to contend with with, with other bits and bobs. Like like we were just talking about Alman Abdi. Now he's back from injury, but he's not back back, is he? No, he's no, not no. the Alman Abdi we know. And there's so much pressure on a guy who's missed an awful lot of football. And Jella's been injured. Um, just it, back. He's just back. Um, so you know he's had he's had a fair bit to, to contend with. Um, and he has he has a right as a new manager to try these things. It's not his fault that he's the fourth manager, fifth manager, yeah. whatever it is, in this season. It's not his fault that he's been parachuted in a third of the way through the season. 
Um, obviously, he's made mistakes. I think hopefully he'll learn from them. It will obviously remains to be seen whether he's the right man for the job. Um, and we, we all have a right to, to question. We need to be critical friends. Um, everyone has a right to their opinion. There's some booing at the end of the Cardiff game, which was yeah, interesting. Yeah. Saw a lot of, of, of kickback from that on, on Twitter. And I do understand that why people don't like booing because we're there with supporters. The kind of the clue clues in the name, but by the same token, cost a fortune to go and watch football these days. And I will defend the right of someone who pays. You know, 100 quid to take their family to... If they want to boo, they boo. I don't agree with it personally. Um, and I think we do have a responsibility to try and get this team somehow to gel. Somehow to, to you know, I said earlier, let's, you know, get your, get your heads out your backsides and perform. But we're, we're in this together. Otherwise, there's no, there's no bloody point, is there? And as, as supporters, there's only so much we can do. We can't pick the team. We can't make transfers. But what we can do is, is do our level best to be supportive. And that's, that's where I think we can come in. Jason, what's going to happen the next month? What needs to happen? I think they need to listen to the latest edition of the podcast because <laughs> I'm feeling bloody motivated after that, Michael. <laughs> Come on. Um, what's going to happen? Who knows? This time last month, we were top of the shop, as Mike said, uh, and he thought we were going to be there at the end of this one. We, we couldn't foresee four defeats, could we? No. So, who knows? Right? We've got, a, again, we've got another tricky game coming up. Fulham away. No matter... They're in different start of the season. It's still a tough place to go and get a result. And we could easily be five defeats on the trot. And, and, and these things snowball, so it could go horribly wrong. If we do pick up and we get a win, then all of a sudden we're, we're up against Wigan. Uh, our old pal Melky comes back to Vicarage Road. He hasn't had it all his own way. It's been a tricky start for him. So there's a team they will be worried coming to Vicarage Road. And all of a sudden, it could be two, three, four wins on the bounce. And it could be um, after Christmas. We've all had our presents, a couple of uh, wines and uh, beverages. And what for back in winning ways. Mate, couple, yeah. Mike, what's, what's going to happen this next month? Well, do you, is there, you like wrestling. Love it. Is there a Saturday Night Raw? Monday Night Raw. Yeah, right. Because what I think is... A Saturday night is a raw time. Saturday night's all right for fighting. <laughs> Saturday night's a raw time, and that's when a lot of people sort of um, externalise their feelings about the football. And I think we need to, as Watford fans, we need to realise that there's a long, long way to go this season. Not down to us, but the Championship's wide open. Derby, Derby slipped up against Leeds. We are six points off top spot, despite losing four in a row. So obviously we've got failings, but, but the bigger picture is the title's still there. We've got players who can, who can challenge for the title. This is now a football club that looks like a proper football club. We've got the stadium. We, said bit, we've said before. We have. But what, otherwise, what's the point? Say, oh, we've been here before. Yeah, of course we've been here before. But we're on. We're moving on. But no, but I'm saying is, I'm at the point now where you keep saying, yeah, we've got a great team. They've got, we've, and we said this earlier in the podcast, they've got to start doing it. Yeah, but we're still in with a chance. If we're speaking in a month's time and we've lost, you know, we've lost another four, we've lost three or three, drawn one, we're obviously not cut out for it, and it's going to be time to go back to the drawing board. But at this stage, we, if I'd fair, by a bit of luck, other teams not, not getting a, a good start, we had a good start, but other teams haven't kicked on. We're still there. We're still in with a massive chance. It's been a rubbish, annoying, crap, horrible month <laughs> that none of us want to repeat. The game, you can make excuses. We've, we've made excuses. We've been sympathetic, I think. But enough now of that. Enough of being sympathetic, but also enough of being angry. Let's get on. We're trying to enjoy the season. The players, I'm sure, I'm positive, will want to be turning it round. Slav will be wanting to turn it round because he'll know he'll be out on his arse if he doesn't sort things out. We don't muck around these days at WhatsApp. Absolutely. So, get it off your chest. 
But we all support Watford. We're all here to see that team succeed. Obvious to me they can bloody well do it. They're going to go and sort it out. We need to sort it out. Deep breaths. On we go. We're in the next round of the Hearts Senior Cup. FA Cup draw next week. We're six points off the top in the league. Come on! Come on! Come on!